<laughs> okay, it is podcasting day, uh, and I am probably more excited than ever. I don't even know if that's true, but I just feel really good about our podcast uh, and getting getting in and chatting about it. Um, but before we even do that, we're in a better routine these days, so tell them, who, yes. who are you and we're in Atlanta? I'm Jessica McGovern formerly Anderson, but you can find me at photoswithanderson.com or on Facebook. Um, and I know that the last couple of podcasts I've been saying that uh, my name may be changing. And the more I think about it, I may not change my business name because it's worked for me thus far. So why mess with a good thing? But yeah. Aw, snap. I'll, yeah, I'll keep you updated if anything changes. So what you're saying is that you're going to legally change your name, but for business purposes, you're going to keep it photos with Anderson or at least right now is what you're thinking yeah and then I'm just gonna basically put um like hyphenate my name on all my business stuff but legally I will just be McGovern but that way visibly my clients will see that I'm still Anderson but legality wise I don't want to be an Anderson anymore right and that's what I was gonna say because that only comes down to a personal decision that you've talked about before right yeah yeah, yeah. which is just so funny right and then here I am I'm like I didn't do anything <laughs> oh my god I'm so mad at you like this week is when I really started I finally got my new ID my new driver's license in the mail PSA please don't get your picture taken for your driver's license when you're eight months pregnant in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic because my photo looks like a mugshot like it I was just so over it didn't wear any makeup didn't do my hair I they made me take my glasses off so I had like crooked eyes like it was awful but I was like fuck it I don't care at this point um but I've been starting the process of changing my name on all my bank, bank accounts. And it has been such a runaround. Like, I literally am just like, I don't care. I'm not going to do, like, I'm not doing this right now. Not my priority. Right, right. It's not. It's not. So, yeah, that just cements all decisions I've ever had about what uh, change, not changing my name. Which is yeah. just, it was just crazy weird because, you know, like, for you, it's, it's you know, it's an identity shift in something that you like about your life. And for yes. all of these other purposes, it's just rules we have to play by. Like yeah. filling out your name for your bank. It's like, ugh, like I didn't, I didn't choose to, to store my money in a bank. Like that's just what society <laughs> said was normal. Like all, all of the exactly. things. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so we're on a woohoo trip today. What I, I told Jess like right before we started, I'm like, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. And then of course we just rolled out. I'm like, I think I know what we're going to talk about. So, um, as we've talked about, like, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably either searching for some personal development in your life, which usually is masked through clarity or searching for ease or that you're recognizing discord in your life. Um, but you might not even know that's what you're looking for is personal development, just as a heads up. And then when you start to, like, collectively decide, oh, okay, I get it. I see what it is. Then there is progressions in personal development, too. And so... Um, as we've talked about previously, like when we refer to our old selves, 2018 and, and before, you know, um, that's, that was a different person. It was a person with a different set of beliefs. It was a person with a different set of, um, like a scope for perception, um, and so on and so forth. And, that, and that's what we like to refer to as being asleep or like, again, actually we, but this is just really something Jess and I say, um, and collectively, again, in personal development, most people would, would typically use very similar terminology to that. Uh, awake, awareness, those are usually conscious. Those are all similar. And so when we talk about being asleep, it's just you are running your program. And program is whatever was instilled upon you from birth to usually uh, 
two to three years of age is when it really cements in, but it obviously continues throughout your lifestyle and influences you. And that comes from whomever is in your life at the time. So pastors, teachers, parents, um, you know, just older siblings or family members or television, which I talk about very frequently, was a huge influence for me um, growing up, for sure. Movies and TV, for sure. So oh, yeah. that's your, a, a, I would say, a sleep status. Yeah, it's just basically you're living your life on autopilot and the the script of your life was created by all of the influences from your childhood. Mm-hmm. Subconscious and consciously. Consciously and subconsciously. Okay. Um, be proud of me. I made some notes because I was afraid I would forget something later. So that is, I would say, default mode for people. And, oh, yeah. and, I mean, and I would say more so currently, but what what I believe you'll start to see more trends of are more adult figures, of course, becoming more conscious and aware, and then obviously influencing that into people that they love, which are not only other adults, but obviously children or young people. And so then obviously the younger that starts, the easier it's going to become. You'll see, start to see those implementations also. I mean, it'll still be a program, but there'll mm-hmm. be more freedom in the program for human beings when they start with a blank slate when they're born. Does that make sense to me? To me, does oh, yeah. it make sense to you? Well, and I'm my theory, <laughs> my theory. It's okay. We literally just before the podcast, we're talking about how we're basically living the same life. So yes, it makes sense to me and to you, but mm-hmm. um, no, I'm super excited to, to watch Olivia grow up because she has you influencing her and her asleep mode is going to be so drastically different than yours was or mine was growing up. So I, it, it I feel like I am sitting front row to the, you know, kind of like a mini science experiment, but it's like a, like a social universe experiment. And I, I'm really excited to see, see how she grows up and and the type of person she she becomes. But I'm also, I mean, I have to give credit where credit's due. I'm also excited to see how my stepchildren grow up because their mother is very much so on a similar um, awareness journey. So she has implemented some very similar concepts without, without her and I ever being on the same page about many things. Uh, we're on the same page about a lot of things with the children. So I'm excited to see how they grow up as well. Yeah, I'm going to turn you up for a second so people are going to hear the noise. Um, but yeah, I think that's really important. And we're, we'll come back to that um, with Samantha. Um, and my children are playing together. So you might also hear that in the background. So yeah, so that's everybody's always going to have a default program, but what, yes, but what Jess and I are speaking to is that, uh, on a po- previous podcast, we talked about, um, collectively the human race having not really been that far into civilized modalities, I would say, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we learned recently that in, until 1985, and this is all opinion-based, you know, on the personal development that we've been doing research and having conversations with each other. But it makes a lot of sense to me. And I'll tie it together a little bit later, more so. Um, I don't even... Uh, human beings have been around theoretically for 100,000 years. So for 100... Let's say, even if we were being very generous and say 90,000, which is shorting 1,000 years out of that, so it's not even accurate... Mm-hmm. Um, Again, the, the mentality of life was there was no integrity. There was no uh, higher thinking. There was no power of positive thinking. It was brutality and eye for an eye. And it was 
considered normal, even if it was something that you were not comfortable with, you were, would be an outcast if you did not participate in those traditions and ideas at the time. And the running theory is that because during that time, you know, the heavy thought and religion was that, you know, God was scary. God would, if you sinned, you'd be cast into hell. And so that was why people did, they were desperate to be seen holy in the eyes of God. And so there was no regard for anything other than that kind of stuff. So fast forward to 1985, as we said, uh, 1985, how we talked about this was, you know, like whether you were born in 85 or not, once you were exposed to other people, whatever the collective reason was, and all of a sudden people go, oh, there's a better way. Like everybody decided we're going to stop killing each other as our defense mechanism. And, you know, maybe it's because some of the dust had settled from all of the world wars. Who knows? Who knows? But nobody's ever happy in those types of regards and circumstances. Um, So the fact that everybody collectively moved up a little bit now from 1985 on, not only brand new babies, but all children and all adolescents are more open and have softer hearts. And it's not huge by any means but when it came from literally like zero it went from a negative base concept to a neutral to a semi-positive the lowest level positive that's still an incredibly drastic change that's going from fear-based to courage is what that is you go from fear to neutral to courage and courage is where stuff starts happening start change starts <laughs> starts occurring all right so <clears throat> 1985, so that's why, you know, we talk about participation trophies and so on and so forth. That's what we're, we're called in this generation. And what I, I think it is, is that parents were just softer people. So, you know, out of survival was no longer of the fittest. It was, you know, you can be compassionate and you can be a human and you can feel those things. And it's okay for me to want to comfort my offspring. And that was the dichotomy. It was a massive shift from what they had been teaching children and boys will be boys and women needed to be women kind of mentality and dialogue that that's where we're we're at now. And so now obviously older generations and people who, were defaulted with that program since 1985 say those things and all the other side believes I I just you can call me a wuss if you want it's I don't see anything wrong with having empathy for another human being or thinking that there's got to be a better way than feeling shame about my decisions or my actions or whatever um and people on that side of the fence don't always see it that way but anyway so that's the first level. So then the second level we always talk about is being the aware, which is like, okay, like we said, stuff is happening. I'm starting to question or I'm feeling more profound or I'm noticing these coincidences, whatever it is, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It, starts to, it starts to take shape in your brain that you don't even have to go as far as saying a new reality is possible because you're already in your reality. But as much to say that change is possible and you might not even believe it for yourself yet but you have at least come to grips that because sally and karen and amanda all had change that's not an anomaly there can't be something that is that different between that person and me even if it's a a celebrity there can't there's nothing different between us as human beings oh yeah and i would say that for me the my when i knew that i was in the awareness stage it was because things that i had heard from you know motivational speakers or from the class your personal development class that i took things were starting to click or make sense so i could have heard these things you know months years whatever prior but it was once i got to the awareness mode because i was starting to open up my 
mindset about the possibilities of these things being true, I started to see them in real life and have those kind of like aha moments and go, oh, this is what they were talking about. This makes sense now. I couldn't understand or relate to it when I first heard it. I didn't even know that it really like sunk into my brain at all. Like I did not retain any of that information in, in the time or at the time being. But in the awareness mode is when you start to, all of that information bubbles up to the surface and you start to accept it and that realize that there's more than one possible outcome in life mm. or yeah. more than one thing can be true at a time. That, that too, that's probably the, one of the most important things because, so what you were talking about is like, it was things I had heard. So you need to hear us say that again, because you're going to hear it a thousand times. Uh, but anything that starts to resonate with you on this podcast, it's not the first time you've heard it. Like oh, it, yeah. the, the, the first time you've heard things is when you go, Oh, like it feels like an invisible force knocked you upside the head and you, it shed some light on a thing that was kind of dim and you're like squinting to figure it out. And then all of a sudden you go, God, yeah, that makes sense. And so that's the aha moment. But the, the intertwining is those seed planting along the way that your Tony Robbins has done for you or your Jess Anderson's have done for you or whomever it was. Um, it, you have to, you have to know that's true. Like if you've worked any type of job with sales or commissions, I would say sales specifically, it, it is a, I would say, I don't want to say, why don't we use the word fact, but it's a statistic that's well known among the industry that it takes people anywhere, that's, this is the average, seven to 13 interactions for them to close a deal with you. What's different than this? It takes you seven to 13 interactions for you to plant the seed, grow it, give it some water and go, now I see it because it makes sense. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I had so many of those moments in business, you know, when we were yes. actively, when I was actively working pure romance, I mean, I was, my four year anniversary with the company is coming up and <laughs> I'm, I might just be like two weeks shy of hitting the four week mark before I go inactive. But anyways, I remember many, many times that I would like figure something out in business and be like, Oh, I'm so proud of myself. And you or Tanya or other people that were higher up in the company would be like, do you not remember me telling you that week one? Do you not remember me saying that to you a year ago? Like I suggested that to you months ago. Why did, why didn't it click then? Yeah. But it's because I wasn't ready for whatever reason to take in new information at that time. But once I was ready, those seeds were planted and they blossomed. So yeah. Yeah. And I, it takes time. It does take time. I think it's definitely more of the, um, the repetition of it, because yes, I remember that very vividly too, is that people would say, you know, this is why you should bring in different speakers. This is why you should do activities in different manners, because I could say it a thousand times. And then when somebody hears it a different way, it's, I don't even necessarily, I think it's more of a joke, you know, we'd be like, because we knew it was going to happen. So you couldn't take it personally and say like, why wouldn't you listen to me? Cause that's not what it was ever about. And it's also, I think so much more, you have to take the personality off of it because it's, it has nothing to do necessarily with the message. It might just be my vocab. It might be my inflection. It might be my energy. Obviously, some people don't like how fast I speak and how bubbly I can be. Um, they would have preferred a 2018 Rachel. And they'll resonate with her message more than they would resonate with mine because the vibration is the same. So uh, it's like you can't hear me on 97.7 if your dial's tuned into 104.3. You know, it's just not going to happen. So, and these were things I heard all the time, like tuning in your frequency is like, if you're trying, the, the thing I just said about the, I heard that one all the time. And I'd be like, <laughs> I don't understand what you're dying. Like I understand different frequencies. It has to be different radio waves. So you can play. What do you mean? How, how do we just tune the dial into the right one? I don't even know what you're talking about. So the, the, it's just, 
inevitable. It is inevitable that it has to be this way. It's the same. I loved to use the analogy of learning how to walk. You did not. Thank God Baby Harper is not going to come running out of your body like full <laughs> street. Usa- you, you can't. You can't. No, Usain Bolt at Christmas time happening. Okay, but she has kicked me a couple of times down there where it feels like oh, she's yeah. going to come running out. Like, oh, yeah. She's going to um, pop through the wall. Yeah, they'll do that. But no, um, you'll be fine. I promise. But that's the thing, right? We, we don't. And babies don't even crawl at first. They are squishy little things that all they really do is kick their legs and arms very angrily for a long time. But they're building their muscle, right? And that's why we do tummy time. And that's why they start to do the kind of um, arm thing first and then the army crawl thing and then the scooty butt thing. And then the, you know how this works, right? So it's not different. And I think that that is one of the things that we really miss an opportunity to share with people is that it's the evolution of your thought process that will really give you freedom and clarity and ease. And nobody talks about it. It's not even a class that kids get fundamentally about, let's talk about how you feel. Let's talk about why it is you feel that way. Let's talk about what it is you want to think for yourself. And that just because your next door neighbor right here, Susie Q, who's sharing her pencil with you, thinks the blue is the best color, you ain't gonna hate her because you like red. And that's like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Okay, so how is it any different when we start talking about which God I pray to or who I voted for in the election or how I decide to um, identify as an individual? Yeah. Yeah. That it ain't it's it's a sad, I think it's a sad world that we live in that we can't, we lose our innocent, our childhood innocence. Oh, well, but- we don't. Oh, oh, we, no. are you going to elaborate on that? Oh, no, we, yeah, we, we sure as shit do not lose it. The, 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 the programming is what changes it, right? And it's the oh, innocence sure. because, right, what, why is our, why is our, pro, our program is blank for a reason? Because we are innocent and we live in that moment. And because of our innocence, we believe everything we are told because we know not to otherwise. And everything that we see, including the television that soothes and comforts me for four hours a day while my mom is watching, you know, talk shows and folding laundry in the other room, that's a soothing, comforting thing for a young child. So every time I see the Play-Doh, I'm going to want it. And every time I see SpaghettiOs, I'm going to think that's going to make me feel good. Um, You know, that runs much deeper than my mom just handing me the bowl. I can tell you, I can tell you as a fat, recovering kid like push pops, Flintstones push pops were something I wanted we could never have. I was wanting kid cuisines. They were TV dinners. We couldn't have those. Um, ice cream cake from Dairy Queen. Couldn't afford that. Like this is ridiculous. But those are things that are emblazoned in my head about the things that I wanted as a kid to make me feel a certain way. So we never lose the innocence. It's the, it's the, the sun's always there, right? It's cloudy here in Lincoln today, but the sun's there. We know it's there. It's just the clouds are blocking that. So that's the message that we don't want to hear. And it's just a matter of waiting for the uh, the clear day. But you don't have to wait, which is the cool thing about being the creator of your own universe. You just close your eyes and those closed clouds are like, ah. Sun's always there. Yeah. I so, like it. I like that you said that, though, because, yes, you'd never lose your innocence. Um, I mean, it's the innocence in children that... In the human, it's the innocence that has the shame for saying a thing and then being scolded for it. And it's the innocence of the child singing from the back seat of the car and somebody telling them to keep it down because they don't have the best voice. Like, it's the innocence in believing that is true instead of, but singing makes me feel good. And that's the thing I should believe. So we're all working our way back there. That's the journey, honestly. Um, It's just a matter of figuring out 
you know, how you process it and get there. And it's different for everybody as we talked about. So that's like another level of evolution when we talk about um, that personal development. But this is what we kind of wanted to focus on 19 minutes into the podcast. And I never even plugged where I'm at, but you know where to find me. So I'm not worried about it. Um, <laughs> this level, the awareness level, <clears throat> when you start to pick, pick up on that fire that Anderson was talking about previously, that like you start to notice the change and go, okay, there, there, it's either that something bigger is at play or that I am really consistently producing, and I don't care which one it is, but they both feel good, so I'm going to run with it. Um, but you hang out here for a long time because you do a lot of growing and you never really know where you're at. And, I mean, I'm still in this phase as well because, obviously, as we've talked about, the, the phase beyond this is it's awake. And it's, you can have level, low levels of enlightenment and you can have full-blown enlightenment. And if, you know, you believe in the universe and the woohoo the full-blown enlightenment is when you, bye-bye, you peace out and you not only ascend to a higher <laughs> level like Jesus, because he was 600. No, he's 1,000. I'm sorry. He was registered 1,000. But it's just, like, physically painful for the source to stay in the body at that point anymore. The skin feels like fire, like, because you just can't contain the light and the power. So that's really woohoo of course. But... Back it back, back it up. So we're talking about where we're hanging out anyways. And I know for a fact that I'm probably going to probably like this probably is not my last life only because when you hit the enlightenment, you mean you, like you think about you care about nothing anymore in the best way possible. Like everything's neutral, right? That means like food, like you don't give a shit about how food tastes anymore because it's just fuel for your body. Right. So I'm like, uh, I don't think I'm ready to give up that vice yet. Okay. So I'm pretty sure my ego is definitely keeping me earthbound for a while. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I was, like, the comment I was going to make is that, you know, to think that you're you're um, not making progress because you've been in the awake stage for so long, like, you have to, I feel like you have to give yourself grace because the whole world is working against you, in my opinion. Like, society is working against you, people, like, loved ones. I mean, Brett, I know Brett hates it sometimes when I talk about you know, my woohooiness and my hippie, my hippie sides growing, hippie hearts growing. And he, he has resistance. And so he's a huge part of my life. So I have to mentally prepare on how to combat that resistance. And then you have the stress of, you know, money and the stress of, you know, living in society because we don't live, you know, as much as we live in the land of the free, we don't live where everything is free. We don't live where everything is handed to us. So as much as we want to live in this, awake stage 100% of the time, it takes practice. It is a huge muscle that we have to train and practice and give ourselves grace when we fall off the wagon a couple of times. And then we jump back on in a completely different spot in the, in the journey, or we're three steps back or three, you know, we got propelled three steps forward because whatever resistance we were met with really like helped us figure out that next stage in the awake. So even though we talk about it being asleep, awake, or asleep aware and awake, I feel like the aware stage has like a thousand mini levels on it. And it's okay if you jump around on the levels, you're never in the wrong, in my opinion, as long as you're in the aware stage, you're never in the wrong place. You're never in the wrong like stage of it. You're doing what the universe has prepared for you. You're taking it in as the universe is wanting it, wanting you to do it. As long as you don't fall back into the asleep mode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I, there's definitely different gradients of the, the middle port. And they, they all three levels I have think they have the gradients. But I would say, in my opinion as well, the middle stage is the one where they're all over the place. And it's not linear. 
It's not no, linear. Exactly. Like you could, yeah. like as we talk about, like if we were putting the number system to it, two hundred would be where you become aware. Everything under one ninety nine and below is all the fear based and apathy and all that stuff. So everything above is where two hundreds where courage starts, and that's where you start to become aware, as we're stating. So yeah, you could go from two hundred to four hundred, back to three hundred to five fifty, down to four fifty. Like you, it's not a linear box when you get there. And, um, and, and you could even, I mean, it's important to hear that you could be in a higher state, quote unquote, and then fall back. Like you, you lose a loved one and you weren't ready to handle grief. It's going to probably take you down a peg or two and that's okay. You're a human with emotions. That's what's supposed to happen. So, um, so yes, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, and I do, I do, I have, I, I, I accept more now today in this present day that where I'm at is okay. Like I struggled very much with, I'm still not where I need to be. It, I still am not where I need to be. It doesn't feel good because I'm not where I'm supposed to be. That was um, that was a long part. Of, I would say at least probably three years, probably the better part of four years. Mostly this year is when I really started to find the relief in the, you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be. And this, this place is so good, especially if you sit back and compare it to where you have been in previous times. So um, I would piggyback, by the way, on what you said about... Um, having everything feel like it's against you. Like I, I know it sounds hippie, but I try so hard to pick my verbiage and what I say would, you know, I, I would say, what would I say to myself? I don't feel like the world's against me because the world doesn't know any better. I would say that like, I am much more in control of my thoughts and the intention of those thoughts and the fact that those thoughts become things, whether I like it or not, well, I do like it, but where, whether I choose to be intentional or not, so I hang out there. And so when we actually tie that back to the innocence, right? Like, as we had said, like, I never thought in my relationship I would ever get to a point, one, where I loved myself more than I love my husband. And that was probably the best gift he could have given me this year. He doesn't really know it yet. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> he probably knows it. But one of the pitfalls of discovering that and accepting that I love myself more than I love him was, one, feeling guilty or less, feeling guilty for having, um, immediate relief to myself that that meant that if I ever lost him, it will be less painful now from what I know. And that was, I felt guilt. Like, oh, holy, how, how could you not just like be devastated when he, well, I'll still be devastated, Rachel, but I don't think that it will kill me where yeah. I would have, I would have said that, like, I'll never date again, like, you know, whatever. But so there's that. Um, and then there was this second realization of, I unintentionally, had really been always looking to him for not approval, not clarification, but maybe just validation, you know, that the things I was saying was were correct or accurate um, or guidance maybe is what it was. And that I felt like, I like cause especially because we, we've talked about our age gap, I always felt like there was never any way I was going to be able to ever get past him because he has 11 more years of experience in life and he was always so intuitive to begin with. And then what I started to accept when I was feeling guilty for like how how am why am I I feel like I'm judging him or something I wasn't sure but it's the innocence that it goes back to is that he said that thing to me because his belief system's kicking in he doesn't think that's the right decision for me to make because it wouldn't be the decision he would make and again 2018 Rachel would have been like devastated fought back said things this actually happened the other day um, I was trying to word vomit some work stuff to him. And I had to voice message it. And I know he hates it when I do that. He can't really listen to it at work. But I'm like, it would take me for effing ever to try to text this out to you. So it was like three minutes worth of stuff. 
And I was like, at the end, I was like, I know this is like, it's a jumbled mess. I said, but it just goes in my brain like 45 um, trains are going at the same time. And if I verbalize it, I know it doesn't necessarily make sense, but it will give me relief. I'll be all, oh, whoo, like it's finally out of there. So, you know, I send that to him and I'm like, sorry, I sent all that. And he responded with, yeah, definitely a jumbled mess. And I was upset. I was like, uh, I go, okay, sorry. I'll just save, you know, my um, verbal messes for my spiritual advisor. And he was like, whoa, like, I didn't say I wasn't going to help you. And I was like, yeah. And, and this was funny because 2018, Rachel would have drug it out, like silent treated him, whatever, whatever, whatever days on end. And so I did quantum leap to the next level, which was, yeah, well, I saw your text message and I, I made the perception that you were saying I was a jumbled mess, which is only one step <laughs> In personal development, just so you guys know that I'm listening to podcasting, okay? Because it still doesn't make my husband feel good, okay? So, um, I don't remember what he said, but I eventually, he goes, how could you ever think I would say that about you? And that always breaks my heart when he says those kinds of things. But I said, well, you have to understand, it's, it's the 34-year-old woman at the time um, who's been with you for five years would never think that. But the four-year-old girl who was devastatingly broken by her dad for years absolutely leads the show sometimes. And as you can tell, and I hope you know, like I literally typed all this out, that happens less and less and will continue. And I'm sorry that that happened. Um, I hope we're okay kind of thing. And those are the woohoo things, like you said, you know. And so, like, it's important for me to always step back in that and just look at him for that innocence because I'm searching for it myself anyway. So it does work both ways and that's all you can do the same way I can do, same way everybody out there can do is that and you're in a relationship, you know, you can't change that person. And it, this is not necessarily your intimate partner. This can be anybody that you're close with, right? That's all you can do is unconditionally love them and remember that they're only operating from their program. And hopefully someday they're going to choose their own, but until they do, they got their blinders on. Okay. Yeah. Well, and so uh, I love that we have such similar experiences, like so close together. I feel like, like we completely different situations, completely different build up, lead up, whatever resolution, but the, the self development, the personal growth journey that we are on sometimes gets so aligned that it's spooky. It's the universe. <laughs> It's but, meant to be that way. We do a podcast together. <laughs> I know. But it's like, you know, listening to you talk about that with Tony, that experience with you and Tony just reminds me that, you know, Brett and I have had two little um, moments within the last two weeks where, you know, there was outside stressors that came into our relationship that caused some friction between him and I. And I remember, like, my, my <laughs> like, snap reaction internally is you need to stop being so touchy-feely with him you need to withhold intimacy. Yeah, withhold you need to, like, I need to take yes. away my love from him yes yes, yes exactly like, you need to give him the silent treatment so that he knows that he upset you not necessarily I'm proud of myself that even in my like my angry moments right now like it's not he fucked up or he did this intentionally it's just I want him to know that he like how he hurt me or how he made me feel like it's not me pointing the fingers at him, it's just that I need him to realize what I'm feeling. But my gut reaction is still to withhold all of these things mm -hmm. because my triggers for my childhood was getting things that I wanted withheld. Yes. And so mostly affection. 
it's yeah. infection, and that's that's what I do. Comfort, <laughs> comfort, comfort. Mm-hmm. But I'm so I, I'm so proud of myself, and it's such a relief that you know the first time that it, it happened two weeks ago. My go-to with with fighting, any kind of fighting, my flight or flight or fight or flight when it's a romantic relationship is flight. I just leave, and most of the time I don't come back. And so, in the two years that we've been together, any time that we had a fight, I would physically have to leave our apartment so that I could calm down, collect my thoughts, and come back to the situation so that we could actually have a conversation and not just a screaming match. Well, two weeks ago, it I didn't leave the apartment. I left the room that I was in. I was only in another room for maybe an hour and a half, and then I made the conscious choice to not be in that place of negativity and not withhold things because it took. I realized it would take more energy to withhold those things because I didn't really want to. It was just... I wanted to punish him for something that he, you know, miscommunication, whatever. So I made the conscious decision to get over myself and to go communicate with my husband so that we could get back on the same page. And literally five minutes later, things were back to like, we're good. And we both felt resolved about it. And then the issue that happened just over this weekend, we were in an hour long car ride and the whole, whole thing beginning to end lasted less than an hour. The, the issue arose I had the internal thoughts of, well, fuck him. Like, I'm not going to show him intimacy and I'm going to withhold and everything. And then I was like, okay, that's not, that's stupid. That's not what you actually want. I don't want to live in this place of negativity. And then we had the conversation and found the resolve before we even got home. So it's like, I'm so proud of my growth and to know that 2018 Jess would not, <laughs> 2018 Jess would have drugged that out and would have made it awful and horrible for both of us. So being in that aware stage, I feel empowered to make those choices to choose my feelings and to know that, that while I'm in that place of negativity and that place of hurt and, you know, I felt like he had hurt me or he'd unintentionally made me feel miserable about myself. I chose to not feel that way about the situation. I chose to feel that this was a growing opportunity and that I could communicate with my husband so that this situation didn't happen again. And I didn't feel this way again. Mm-hmm. So it's just, oh in my feelings. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing thing. Like, yeah. like if you just tuned into the podcast right now, I would just tell you like, trust the process because once you get to a place where you're, you're actively able to stop in the moment of, of acting ugh, negativity yeah. and, and choose a better feeling. Like everything changes, everything changes, everything changes. Everything changes. And that is, that's a really hard place to be, at least from, from my personal journey. It was hard because it meant, like, I was the more prideful person in the relationship. Like, that, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I was the more prideful person. That was where I came from. Um, and I was very fortunate because he softened me in the beginning by saying, like, I think like, this, maybe this is something we should talk about. Like, is there something I can do to make this situation better? Instead of saying, well, you'd feel better if you said this. But say, you know, what I was doing over on my side. So that was like one of the first steps I think that helped me as well um, to get there. And what what you got out of that, you said, by the way, that it was courage. It was courage yeah. to choose the better feeling because it was, you know, your monkey mind said, no, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't have that conversation. You, this is not what we know to do. When we fight, we fight. Like, this is what we do. This is our comfort zone. This is how we know how to process. And why is it? Because it has predictable results. Yeah, it has. It always. It it, it, it's not the feeling I wanted, but it's a predictable result. So I have a, a false sense of control. So doing the unpredictable thing, because I'm going to share with you how this um, backfired for me. Same scenario. We were in the car having an unpleasant conversation. 
took a break from the conversation. I, during that break, I like, you could call it praying. I just meditated. Like I, I literally closed my eyes in the car and it was just like, same thing you said, like, do I want to feel this way? So why did I snap? Why did I say the things I said? I need to uncover that, like processing super quickly. And by like the next stop, I was like, okay, like, I think I'm ready to talk about it. So I explained my side and it did not go well. <laughs> it did not go. It was a while ago. But, but what I would say to you now in this moment was that just because I was ready, he was not. And yeah. it, it still, the monkey mind could have been, see what we did here? You went out on a limb, so you never do it again. But me, as the personal developed searching for innocence and empathy was, it's okay that he's still upset with me. He can't see beyond how I said something to upset him. And he doesn't get that I said it different. You know, no, I, I could go into it. He's just in a different place. He's in a different place. And um, maybe someday I'll be able to explain to him in a little bit greater depth. But right now it doesn't matter. So, um, where I wanted to take that, we were talking about. So parenting. Like, so you, you said something very kind about, you know, like with Olivia. Yeah, like <laughs> literally I was folding laundry today and she's just like rolling around on my bed. And I'm like, oh, you, you're so great at life because you try and try again. <laughs> you're so capable. And, you know, it's, it, yeah, I, whatever. She just like rolls over and lets a dog lick her in her mouth. I'm like, yeah, we're evolved. Um, but, but you're, I mean, you're right. Like I'm absolutely more intentional with her. And it's, it's weird because when I have this dichotomy of Cole, who's a decade older, right? And I feel a lot of pressure for him, not only because he's at a, a crucial age, but because of all the things I didn't have or didn't do for him the way I am for Olivia. Of course, there's that guilt of, do I need to course correct? Do I need to do or undo a lot of things that I did? And there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of internal struggle because my husband's a good guy. He's an amazing father, but as I continue to, I shouldn't have said but, but as I continue to work through my personal development, my views about parenting are shifting and not drastically by any, any means. But I, I'm also realizing that even before we had Olivia, we never sat down and thought about like, Hey, so what are our expectations as a parent? Like parenting, like we were doing a pretty good job at winging it. And we are still, although I, I don't have any complaints to be frank, but um, I think that exactly if, because of where I'm at, it's probably a crucial thing that we do sit down, you know, like, she gets, she'll get mixed, she already gets mixed messages. All of our kids get mixed messages. Um, and I don't think it's something that either of us had noticed. You know, it was just because we were operating from our parenting program until recently where I'd go, oh, you told her she couldn't play with that because I actually didn't care. <laughs> One of those kinds of things are, oh, you didn't want him to go stay the night over there because I did or whatever, you know, like any of those kinds of things. So it, it, it's minute and it's major all at the same time. So the intention has to be from your side because you can't control anybody else. So the, the more control over your own control, uh, the better off you're going to feel. I think what Jess had mentioned earlier was relief is what you're looking for. Giving up is the resistance letting go. And it's hard to put it into words, but if you've ever been in that particular situation, some people talk about like, you know, you fall to your knees and you pray to a God. Some people, you know, just sit quietly and talk to God or talk to the universe. I mean, when you sit, sit anywhere and let your mind water, by the way, that's what people do when they pray. So you're already praying, by the way, you're, you're talking to the universe. So it better be good words. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think that one of the kind of hippie-ish things that I wanted to segue that into is we went to, we took the kids to the museum the other day. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're familiar with Lincoln, Morrill Hall would be like, it has a lot of prehistoric stuff in it, which is all mostly stuff that was found in Nebraska, which is 
really kind of cool. Like, when you're a kid and you go, and you're like, you know, see dinosaur fossils and stuff, you're like, whoa, that's neat. Um, and then I would even say as a young mom, it was still, like, just following my kids around, like, whoa, that's neat. But a personal, person in personal development, or I would say, you know, a really super cool science nerd who's into paleontology or something like that, it hopefully has this kind of type of connection. But when I was, like, reading through it, like, there's this thing on the, the main level wall that talks about, like, the evolution of the planet itself. Um... I, I know people probably know that the planet is millions and millions and millions of years old, but when you think about how m many a million is, and then you figure out that it's been many, many millions, and the fact that human beings have only been on planet Earth for 100,000 of those years, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy, but when you look at the right. thing, right, like you, not only is it talk about evolution, of course, but you can figure out what, if you've ever questioned yourself, like, why are we here? It answers that question because you started from amoebas amoebas all of a sudden were exposed to oxygen because the planet tilted the right way which is the right distance from the sun to allow for things not to get too hot or too cold which allowed for water to be in the air which allowed for plants to begin to grow which allowed for animals to spend some time on land versus uh, in the water which allowed them to get to land this is how it happened and conditions had to be perfect after millions and millions and millions of years to have human life form all right so it's kind of cool, first, when you think about dinosaurs, because you're like, well, the, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> like, what, what were those about? But, right, like, I think that people, especially because of Jurassic Park, you think that those were actually really close together, having dinosaurs and humans, but it's not true at all. It's not true at all. Like, they, there was years and years and years between, millions of years between dinosaurs and humans. And before dinosaurs, there was millions and millions and millions of years of nothing, of nothing. And then there's this really cool thing on the wall. I think the thing itself is, if I had to guesstimate, I would say, um, like, the span of the Earth's history, let's just say it's uh, 30 feet long, it, it, like, talking in segments. Well, there's a section in the history that's no more than, I would say, half an inch big in, in this chart that you're looking on the wall. They have no idea what happened there. And they said that huh? if they could, they could figure out what that history was, it would be an additional 12 feet to added to the thing on the wall. So it would go from 30 feet to 42 feet long. And they have no idea what happened there. Like, they can't find fossils. They can't find... And this is, this is Nebraska Moral Hall, by the way, y'all. You can go verify. I'm not making this woohoo hippie thing up. Um, so I'm not trying to come at anything from that particular... What I'm trying to draw from that is, like I said, humans are babies in terms of how long universe and planets have been around which also by the way just as an, another nerd side note like i don't i don't say that i believe in like aliens like extraterrestrial like creepy kind of aliens but you should believe by the way that there is absolutely the possibility for life on other planets when you recognize how many other planets we've had and the fact that earth itself was at one point like a mars or like a venus and the environment was not livable that's all it takes is for one crazy thing right distance from a star right angle for magnitude okay so anyway back to real real planet earth where we are right so in the grand scheme for human beings being so minute in the history of planet earth no wonder we're theologically behind because our our time on planet earth we haven't been here long enough to evolve farther into spiritual development the way we have with personal development. We're only in baby stages. We we don't even remember the fact that we have intuition. We don't remember the fact that, like we talked about, you know, if I'm looking forward at you, Jess, but I can see somebody open my door and I know who it is, that's a psychic ability. Because I'm not using the faculties of my eyeballs that I'm supposed to. I'm using 
the ability I have of self to figure that out. So um, that was kind of the woohoo thing I wanted to go into about that. So no wonder like it's so complex, we can't figure it out. Can you imagine how spiritually ahead generations will be in four, even I'll say a decade from now? A decade from now, it's going to be like most human beings will be soft hearted. Most human beings will give, 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 give. Most human beings will no longer own weapons. Well, I mean, there may be two sides of the planet. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I can't make any claims. I can't make any claims, of course. But I think I think that that's just it's people are moving towards more heart centric worlds, I think. Well, yeah. Well, and I think that it's, you know, you touch on, on the fact about the conditions had to be perfect for all of these things to happen. So like. You know, when you get into that, that why am I here? What am I doing? Like, well, the universe wanted you here because the conditions had to be perfect for you to be here. And I like when I look at, you know, my relationship and my with Brett and my relationship with you. And then the fact that you and Brett have a connection, like how to me, it blows my mind. Anytime I think about it, that my future husband and my current like, well, you know, at the time when I first met you. I didn't know that you were going to be one of my best friends. I didn't know how important you were going to be in my spiritual journey. Then to think about the fact that you had already had a relationship with my future husband, who you guys, you did not introduce us. It was not like a setup. It was that we met on our own time because if we would have met any earlier than when we did, neither of us would have been in the right mental state to have a relationship with each other. So we met when we were supposed to, but it's to think about the fact that I think we were always meant to be, and I know that this is like mushy and woohooey and everything, but it's like, if you look at everything in both of our timelines and both of our histories between Brett and I, our lives are so intertwined and have so many crossovers that the fact that we never met until we did, like, to me, that's proof that the universe is at work and you may have no idea what's going on, but what the universe is providing for you right now may be leading up to something even better, greater purpose in the future so not not may it is as long as you're speaking the right language right yeah yeah it's woohooey it's it's over i seriously like my whole body feels like it's like electrified right now just talking about it like it is it's a different level of energy when you have those moments it's happening right in front of my eyes (laughs) it feels like my baby's kicking everything like like okay so I'm i'm gonna try not to cry but it's like when I have these moments, like I think about, oh, I'm going to just because of pregnancy hormones. Like, I honestly think that Harper is meant to do something great in the universe because of all of the things, all of the obstacles that had to line up just right for her to exist. So maybe that's just like a mother's wish or like, you know, wanting to feel relevant in the universe, but it's God, it's just so much had to happen and had to be perfectly aligned in the stars for her to exist. So I believe that she is destined for great things. She is. She is because you said that, right? Like we could go on a whole, we could have a whole conversation about that too. Like Olivia was the same way for us, right? We had a timeline. We decided if, if, if not pregnant by this time, tubes tied or vasectomy, had a conversation on a trip in Colorado. Hey, I'm about a month away from that cutoff turn in this age. I guess we're just not meant to have kids. Yeah, I guess it's not in the cars. Get pregnant on that trip. Without a doubt, we both know I got pregnant on that trip. 
Why? Because the resistance was gone, by the way. That's the f- that's the further step in the woohoo by the way, is, oh, all right, no pressure to have children or not. Well, now we get pregnant, <laughs> okay? Yeah. But, um, but what you said is true, yes, because I feel that way about Olivia because of that reason. Like, everything had to, one decade of a relationship had to fall apart in its finality for me to get together with this person who had to lose his fucking job as being, what we were talking about right before this call, right? Um, yeah provider of a household that had to happen for me to be able to grow as an individual to be a business owner and have that proclamation because if I didn't if I would have just been coasting for parties for fun it would have never taken it seriously I would have never taken oh I'm having my own ha-ha moment here so they all connect together so you're absolutely right both of our daughters will do great things whether they identify as daughters or not they will go on to do amazing things because they will have this unlimited abundance of opportunity at their disposal of ab- availability. Not even that, like, oh, you can do whatever you want. They're going to go, no, I can do whatever I could want. And if, if it doesn't yeah. work this way, I'll find another way to do it. Um, so, yes, it was. So when you say, like, I believe that it was meant to be, like, meant to be. Like, I used to have a, I don't want to say I have a problem with that phrase. Like, I don't like when people say soulmates, but that was, like, an old version of Rachel. I would say that. Anybody who's important in your life is a soulmate for a reason. Because like you had said, you and I came into each other's lives and then you never met your husband through me, even though I still, I still worked with him even in my twenties and I was still loosely and like, I was never friends with him, but I would be able to access him if I wanted to kinds of things. So it is of course, absolutely that reason because you guys were not meant to be who you were supposed to be until that moment. So you, that it is meant to be that way. You guys are, and I would say, you'll hear my heart, like the same way I feel about like Tony, like if I had to rewrite vows, I would... I mean, I don't think that we said, honestly, death do us part in ours. I don't think we did say that. Uh, is that bad that I don't know that? <laughs> but uh, but I wouldn't promise it. I wouldn't promise it now that I know the things I know. I would promise to be the best partner I can every single day as much as I can. Um, but putting myself first. And, and then more authentically and transparently trying to be much more aware if things were getting tough to get ahead of it. And even more so that if it was something that was unresolvable, to know that you could walk away with dignity and not put each other through the hurt and pain that you both had been through in a previous relationship. In fact, that you had children. Like, I think that's my promise to my husband now. Oh, yeah. And it's, I mean, definitely wasn't in our vows, but Brett and I have had this conversation. And I, I mean, I even joked about the reason why we decided that he's going to get the vasectomy versus me getting my tubes tied. And... we have had these conversations about, you know, before we even got pregnant, it was a, if, if we have a child together and we don't, and we're not together in 10, 20 years, whatever, my promise to you is that I'm never going to use this child to, to emotionally hurt you. I'm not going to use my personal feelings against you. Like we set those expectations that, and, and I believe them to my core. Like I understand that, you know, you, you can't predict how you're going to feel in the future, whatever, but my core values is you know, I presented them to him. Like, this is, this is my promise to you. I want you to no- go into this relationship knowing that if something happens and we don't work out, you can feel comfort in knowing that my intentions are to be a good parent with you and to be a good co-parent. And, you know, my joke about the reason why he's going to get the vasectomy is because he's, you know, seven and a half years older than I am. He's had three biological children. Now he has four children. Um, he's done having kids. I am, while I'm not putting, I, maybe I am, he'll scold me for it. Well, I'm not trying to intentionally put out to the universe that we're not going to end up together in, in the long run because I truly think that we will. It's a, I want him to, I want him to know that 
there's a possibility of me wanting children again in the future and that I want to retain that option for myself. And it's very similar to the option he gave himself when he left or when his marriage dissolved previously, his 10 year marriage, his ex-wife biologically cannot have any more children, but he knew going out, getting out of that marriage that he still could if he wanted to in the future. And then Miss Harper was born. So (laughs) It's, you know, it's, it's a bad universe joke to make and I should stop making it so that I stop putting that energy out to the universe, but it's not the, but you're not putting the energy out there because it would be like the fear and in, um, worry of loss. That would be the wrong energy. Yeah. Yeah, You're in the right headspace. The headspace is being logical. Um, you know, like I say to myself all the time, like, um, Tony and I should go get like our will and a, a divorce decree just in case, just in case, um, because we're in a good head. I can't say that I wouldn't be emotionally wrecked or, feel bitter or angry or slip back to a 2018 Rachel so what better way than to make those types of arrangements when you do love and care about each other when you can remember why that person would deserve the things that that you would think they would deserve or not necessarily whatever the case may be so this is so funny because we're um 52 minutes into our podcast and we haven't even started talking about the thing we wanted to talk about mostly um but it actually it will still tie back because what we were wanting to kind of speak about was that being in those stages, right? So as we've talked about, you can see how much growth happens from the small little things to deciding to go for a walk around the block to the massive conversations of there's something I need to tell you, you know? Those those are there are all different levels, but they're all growth. And the taking the, the walk around the block is just as important, y'all, because that is the small conditioning, confidence building block that you need to take on the conversations of, I don't want to ruin this eight-hour car drive. I'm going to try my best to, to nip this in the bud now kinds of things. So, um... What tends to happen as you love what you hear about personal development, whether you binged all these podcasts, which I love when y'all do, okay, um, and you read everything you can and podcasts, whatever, whatever, I said podcasting, but anything into personal development, like you just absorb it all, all right? There is such a thing as being a personal development junkie in the best way possible, but but if you're feeling like, I do feel like I, I'm trying for growth, I, I'm desiring growth, I, I, I want to stick to change, but I just don't feel like it's working for me, then this might be where you're at. And what tends to happen is that you have to envision yourself swimming. And um, as you start to read books, that's like you're learning the brushstroke and you got one arm going around, whether you're in the pool or the lake, don't matter. All right. So that arm is getting strong as heck, resilient and, you know, learning and planting those seeds and so on and so forth. But maybe you don't feel like you're going anywhere. Well, have you given any thought to whether or not your other arm has started moving yet? Okay. That is the action trigger. Okay. And this is quite ironic because the thing I was listening to today was that the misconception that spiritual people get into is that they think that just because you get right with your vibration and your universe or your God or your source or whatever you call it, that you'll be golden. And it's not, it's not that way because humans weren't put on earth to be slothy. We just weren't. We're not cats. We're not dogs. We don't live in the moment. We process and we have emotions uh, of, of greater range, I would say, you know, potentially than some other animals, right? But we are also conscious creatures. And the heart of it is, is that during that process, we're here to create. We're here to create and that's create love and create joy and create money and create experiences and create adventure and all of the things um, that manifest from a thought. And once a thought becomes a thought, it means it can be done. We've already talked about that too. So that's what we wanted to talk about was that execution is the thing that you have to start practicing. And I think, and you can back me up if this was your experience, I mean, I definitely hung out on that one arm swim for a long time because I think because I was just, I didn't have the confidence yet. I was petrified of what would happen or I don't even, I mean, something along that lines. 
Yeah, sorry. I'm distracted because Brett just walked in the door and I didn't want him to start screaming or singing or but so he's just dancing silently in the background to distract me. Acceptable. Acceptable. <laughs> yeah. So that's what happened for me. It was like first of all, I think it was partly recognition that I didn't know. I wasn't there was a second part to it. Like yeah. I thought that the personal development would would be enough. Like I'm I'm learning new tools. I'm I'm educating myself. I'm becoming more aware. But it's the action part. And the thing I think that's the misconception about the action is that, well, I, I can't because I'm scared to a fear of failure and whatever. But once you start living in that frequency of what we talked about, the alignment, the joy, the choosing the better feeling action is passion it's that inspired work not required work which I was going to say to you because you was blowing me up all week long about doing hair and makeup and stuff like that's where you're at right like I sat on a live last night that I I I got so transparent with my VIP page that I had told them how I had told you guys as part of the PR organization that I was no longer actively building which didn't mean I wasn't doing my job and that I loved what I did but I got so good at coaching my team members that I coached them right out of the goddamn business yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of did. I did. I mean, you definitely did with me, and it's. I mean, I feel like that's where I was stuck. I was definitely stuck for a while of of thinking that hearing the information was enough, and op- being open to the idea of personal development was enough. But I was not pulling the trigger or doing the action motion. Yeah. And once I, my thing was, and I recognize it now, is that I was I was afraid the fear of judgment of other people of if I started to implement these certain changes in my life, it goes against my prior identity. So people in my prior life are going to judge me negatively for wanting to make this positive change and wanting to shift my energy and shift my emotions. And then once I started to surround myself with my top five of people that were trying to pull me up to that energy level, then I, I, I very much so finally got to the headspace of, I don't care what other people think because they're not the ones guiding my journey. They're not the ones guiding my life. And if I live for them, then I'm going to be fucking miserable for the rest of my life. And Which I don't want that. what I was doing in my previous program anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would agree with that for yeah. sure. Um, oh, yes, you had said something. Oh, yeah. So um, in reference to like, if like if you are one of these people that you've been listening to the podcast and you're all quiet about it, that's Okay. Um, but we say all the time that sharing makes you pretty. Like, it, it's, it's true. It's a fact. Okay. But I can relate very heavily to watching on the sidelines, taking vigorous notes from mentors, not, like, ever being vocal about that. And that's definitely has shifted and changed. Um, it's twofold. One, as we talked about, like, I can make I can make recommendations, like, all day long, but it might not be the thing that's best for you. So it's best that you just, you definitely gravitate towards what works best. But if you do feel like this is, um, you know, a place that you have gotten some growth and you're like, I, I would like to share it with somebody, but like Jess said, I feel silly for sharing it. Um, that's okay. Just know that a few days, weeks, maybe months or a class or a podcast from now, you won't feel as silly because uh, it just like she had said, you started to own that. It's not about telling other people that their way is wrong. It's just accepting that your way is best for you and that you will then expect, uh, respect their decision on how they decide to live their best life too. So, um, don't be afraid. Um, just, it's okay to be nervous. Just be more excited about pulling that execution side of it and just then watch things flow like you've never seen it before. And again, you'll still have hiccups y'all, but it's so much better when, you know, you only have the hiccup instead of like the full blown meltdown. 
that's different. Oh, so. yeah. All right. So let them know where they can find you. Photos with Anderson.com or on Facebook and search for that private group. It's Boudoir Photos with Anderson. Ooh, ooh. Uh, I didn't even, like I said, plug myself at the beginning, but y'all know where to find me. Go over to Facebook. It's just Rachel Vote. That's like dot one two if you need a specific profile, but you know, just message me here is fine as well. Vote for parties on Instagram. Uh, checking out my story. Empowerment class is happening through the end of the year. Uh, and if you need a private VIP page where feminine energy and 18 years or older are required for sexual wellness and intimacy building, make sure to let me know and we'll get you hooked up and added to the group. It's a great time over there. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I feel like this is a really good uh, podcast. I hope ladies got some value from it. And um, it was fun. I think we both had some aha moments and I hope other people got it too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, fantastic. So everybody, make sure to stay happy, stay healthy, and wash your hands. Okay, bye-bye.